Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I am Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar who found bread. And I'd hate for anyone to miss out on it. The bread of life, Messiah Yeshua. This episode, Recipe for Hate. You can reference Bad Religion with the title for this one. Bad Religion, a punk band out of California in the early 80s. And of course, they originally stood for everything punk rock ascribes to. Anti-establishment, anti-everything, anti-religion, well, mostly Christianity, anti-government, anti-police, anti-rules. And they claimed, as most punk bands do, to be pro-anarchy. And like so many others with age, they lose a little of that idealism and they succumb to the system. You know, like Green Day and others, they soften their pitch and espouse their anger towards certain parts or certain people in the system. You know, it's kind of like how Rage Against the Machine was always raging against capitalism. And every dude in that band has lived really well off of capitalism. That sounds like hypocrisy to me. But I could be wrong. Anyway, as I was saying, Bad Religion, like Green Day, they touted their disdain for George W. Bush when he was president. And it's like, wow, how edgy, guys. My dad is a staunch conservative, and he didn't like W's presidency. Maybe he should start a punk band. That would be... (laughs) Okay, can't say that with a straight face. Better let that one go. And, you know, we don't want to pick on those guys too much anyway. It's possible we could hurt their feelings. I didn't think punk rockers were supposed to have feelings, actually. I don't know. So much has changed over the years. Alas, it's not about the music. It's about the message. So let's dive in to a recipe for hate. There's a lot of talk about love and hate in the scriptures. And as I've said, love and hate have been redefined Multiple times, and particularly in Western society, we have way redefined what it means to love and what it means to hate. There is a passage of scripture that is a cause for concern for many, and it's the subject of a lot of debate. This passage discusses Jacob and Esau, and the statement's found in a couple of verses. It's in Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I love you, says Adonai. But you say, how have you loved us? Was Esau not Jacob's brother? It is the declaration of Adonai, yet I loved Jacob and Esau I hated. I made his hills a wasteland and gave his inheritance to jackals of the wilderness. And then the Apostle Paul quotes this passage in his letter to Rome in Romans chapter 9, verse 13, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now, Paul was discussing the sovereignty of God in this passage, Romans 9. I encourage you, please read the entire chapter to get the full context there, or read the whole book of Romans. Get the context. Anyway, so the question arises, how can a loving God hate someone? To the best of my knowledge, Esau is the only individual named in this manner, like by name, Esau, I hated. That's the words of Adonai. And so I do want to stay on task here. So what I will do is encourage you, please study the lives of Jacob and Esau, twin brothers born to Isaac and Rebekah. From Jacob comes Israel and from Esau 
comes Edom or the Edomites, another people group. It's important to know Esau was the firstborn of the twins. He, he was delivered first. Jacob, he wasn't far behind. As you can read in Genesis 25, he was holding on to Esau's heel when they were born. Further, in the 25th chapter of Genesis, as they grew up, we read that Esau came home one day after a hunting trip, and he was exhausted and hungry. Jacob had a fresh pot of stew on. Esau begged him for some of the stew because he was starving. Jacob told him, yeah, if you give me your birthright, I'll give you some stew. We've discussed before, and you can study and look look into the scriptures about the blessing of the firstborn. They get a double portion of the inheritance, and they also get a blessing. So Esau basically says, what good is a birthright to me if I'm dead? You can have it. Give me some stew. So this kind of sets the table. See what I did there? Stew set the table. Oh, man, come on. All right. At any rate, this gives some of the backstory with Jacob and Esau. Well, yeah, but God still shouldn't hate Esau because of this. God shouldn't hate anyone. Okay. Put your stew on simmer for a second. Slow your roll, if you will. All right. Allow me to clarify. The modern English use of the word hate has strong emotions tied to it. It relates to feelings of loathing and disdain. And that is not necessarily the definition of the Hebrew word. In Hebrew, the word is sane. It's spelled S-A-N-E. looks like sane in English. It is pronounced sane. It has a variety of definitions. Now, the original Hebrew language used pictographs, kind of similar to hieroglyphics, if you will. So these pictographs, they were word pictures. And so for the word sane, the pictograph used is a thorn and a seed. Thorns cause individuals to change directions, like if you're walking through the woods and brush up against a thorn bush, you're going to move, right? You'll alter your direction, not desiring to continue experiencing that pain. In times of old, thorns were used on fences to protect flocks, or they could even be used on weapons. This is how we need to think of this word, hate. Not as a deep, intense emotion of confrontation, but of an avoidance or a lack of involvement in one's life due to pain caused. Esau had such disregard for the birthright and blessing of the firstborn, he traded it for a bowl of stew. His decision was an affront to God. It was an affront to God's blessings. Thus, God relinquished his involvement in Esau's life. Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, was not the thorn, and he is not the one who set the thorns up for Esau. It's the other way around. Esau is the one who set up the thorns. He presented himself through his decisions. He, he, it was an affront to Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. 
essentially, God fulfilled Esau's desire, withdrawing the blessing of the firstborn and assigning it to Jacob. When we read, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated, it doesn't carry this intensity of emotion that we would assign to those words. That's not how it is. Let me further explain. In Matthew 5, from his Sermon on the Mount, starting at verse 43, we read, Yeshua is speaking. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? So first things first, when Yeshua says, you have heard it said, he is referring to the oral law or oral traditions of the rabbis, some of the the Talmud and so forth, which added actually to the Torah, God's law. Sometimes it's subtracted, but mostly it added new things to the Torah. When Yeshua says, it is written, he is referring to the Torah, God's written law. The Torah does not tell people to hate their enemies. That was something, as he said in this passage, he says, you have heard it said. And that was something that was added as a tradition over the years, that people should love their neighbors and hate their enemies. That was added. That was not part of Torah. Never was. Actually, much to the contrary. To get the concept of what it means to love and to hate, let's take a look at the Torah. Exodus 23, verses 4 and 5. If you find your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you must surely bring it back to him again. If you see the donkey of the one that hates you lying down under its burden, do not leave it. Rather, you are to release it with him. From the Torah, we see God wants us to love our enemies. It has nothing to do with feelings or emotions. It has to do with actions. It has to do with, first and foremost, loving Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, and then loving our neighbors. So it has to do with our actions. This way, when we look in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, you are, not, uh, you are not to take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am Adonai. This passage, Yeshua said, is the second greatest command. It is second only to loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, that we love our neighbors as ourselves. It's also echoed by the Apostle Paul as well as James. What we are being told is not to withhold from them. Darkness is the absence of light. Cold is the absence of heat. Evil is the absence of good. And hate is the absence of love. When we are told to love our neighbors as ourselves, okay, let's ask ourselves, How do I love myself? Well, I make sure I have food, clothes, and shelter. The bare necessities, right, Baloo? So, we love our neighbors by ensuring they have the basics. 
In Luke chapter 10, we read what is commonly called the parable of the Good Samaritan, wherein a man is beaten, robbed, and left for dead on the side of a road. A priest walks by, crosses to the other side of the street, and avoids him. A Levite does the same thing, sees him, avoids him, goes to the other side of the street, away from him. Along comes a Samaritan man who shows mercy and gets the injured man help. Yeshua asked this Torah scholar, this lawyer really, who was a neighbor in this situation? And of course that lawyer responded, the one who showed mercy. Yeshua told him, go and do likewise. See, the other two may have not had any intense feelings either way towards the man, but their behavior was hatred towards him. The absence of love, they did nothing for him. So their inaction and perhaps indifference was hate. And and notice when you read that passage, what did they do? They altered their course. Just like I was saying earlier when we were talking about the thorns, altering your course. They altered their course and thus what they did was hate towards that man. In James chapter two, after reminding us that if we transgress any part of the Torah, we are guilty of all of it. The apostle James then, and he is of course the half brother of Yeshua, he writes this, what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, shalom, keep warm and well fed, but you do not give them what the body needs, what good is that? So also faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. And sure, it's nice to offer pleasantries, to offer well wishes and even prayers for folks. I'll I'll, I'll pray for you. But particularly when we're talking about brothers and sisters, children of God, if we are able to help meet those needs, that is loving our neighbors. To withhold what equates to love to love them would be to make sure their needs are met. To, to withhold that is hate. Finally, some strong words from 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We have come to know love by this. Yeshua laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if someone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Children, let us not love with word or talk, but in deed and truth. This passage hits hard because we know what it means to love a brother and a sister. And we know what it means to hate. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. 
and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Ah, Father God, have mercy. Wow. And do you remember how Yeshua said we would be known as his, how we would be known as his followers? It's by our love for one another. When we withhold, when we do not love our neighbors in deed and in truth, just in word, our inaction is hate. We see God hated Esau by withholding the blessing of the firstborn. In truth, Adonai denied Esau the blessing he readily forfeited for a bowl of stew. We can at times certainly be moved by compassion to help, and that's good. But even when emotions and feelings don't play into it, doing the right thing is always right, even if we think the other person doesn't deserve it. God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good. God does that. And of course, God's greatest expression of love is offering his son Yeshua as the sacrifice for our sins while we were still his enemies. Messiah crucified that we could be reconciled to Adonai by grace through faith in him. Let us do likewise, my friends, laying down our lives for others. I'm a beggar who found bread, hoping to reveal to others where I found it. The bread of life, Messiah Yeshua. Let's make sure we love one another. May others see we belong to him by our love for one another. I appreciate your time. Now let's go out and give him heaven.